Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is our hope and strength in all things. May we be ever mindful of this no matter what we face in the day, that we would continuously place our hope in him to your glory. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be only acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Morning and please be seated. When I was a kid, I really liked those books that were like man versus wild. I remember in like middle school, we kind of learned there's like always a person versus something, and that's what made great literature, right? And and the man versus wild ones were so fascinating to me, and I, I loved reading them, and I always thought, well, I could do that, and, you know, I could probably do it better. But there's a certain strain in the man versus wild book, or, or really any book, um, that I didn't pick up at on when I was young and, and foolish, but a strain of, of hope. And we all know the power of hope. When we have hope, it's as though we can face anything in the world and persevere through to the end. But if that hope starts to slip, if we start to lose it, every step becomes harder and harder. And without hope, we feel like maybe we should just give up. This morning in St. Peter's epistle, he says to the Christians in, 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 um, the Christians in Asia, be, says to the Christians in Asia, Be ready to give a good defense for the hope that you have. And this reminds us of what we have in Christ, the hope that we have in Christ. It's in that hope that we can persevere through anything, through any of those situations that St. Peter has talked about for the last chapter and a half, through bad governments, through bad relationships, through bad Uh, employment situations, St. Peter reminds us that with hope in Christ, we can see through it. But he starts this morning with a question, the question of who can harm us? Who can harm you if you're zealous for doing good? We've all had that friend that is really into some sort of something. You know, our friend, perhaps Pete, we'll use as an example. I think I came to my mind as I was getting this ready because of Peter, and so maybe I'm not quite as creative as I thought I was. <laughs> but we have our friend Pete, right, who's really into making ships in a bottle. And you see Pete coming, and if you're busy, you're like, oh no, Pete's coming. And he's going to tell me about ships in the bottle for like 20 minutes. Because Pete is zealous about making ships in a bottle. And that's what he really wants to talk about and do day in and day out. He lives and sleeps and dreams of making ships in the bottle. But Peter tells us to be zealous for doing good. And I can say from personal experience, when we become discouraged, when I become discouraged at least, it's a lot harder to get up and be like, I want to do good for my community, for my loved ones, for my friends. But Peter says, be zealous. Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of caring for those who need care, for caring for the widows and the orphans, for caring 
for the outcasts, but be zealous. Likewise, he says, suffer for righteousness. And here he echoes what he heard on the mountain as Jesus goes up and presents the Sermon on the Mount, presents the Beatitudes, where he says, Blessed are those who suffer for the kingdom, suffer for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And ultimately, that's what this whole epistle is about, is that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus has made us his children, that Jesus has become our king, and we are citizens. Therefore, suffer for righteousness' sake. Suffer for that doing good. So even if you do good and you don't get a reward for it, press on and do good, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. He then says, have no fear, and do not be troubled. I was reading earlier this week parts of the book of Philippians. And Philippians, the, the city of Philippi, is a rather interesting city. And probably the closest analogous for us to wrap our minds around is probably like Guam, where the citizens of Guam have roughly the same um, privileges as being a citizen of the continental United States, but they're way off in, in the South Pacific. And Philippi was kind of the same way in Rome. And so they were really proud that in Philippi they were citizens of Rome, even though they were off in Asia. And the part that I was reading that kind of caught me was really interesting because he, he subtly exhorts them to be good as citizens, not of Philippi or Rome, but to be good citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on, and part of that being a good citizen is to live without fear, but the word he uses for fear, St. Paul uses for fear in this epistle, isn't the, the word that we normally get for fear. It's the word that means something along the lines of a crazy race of horses, a stampede of horses. And we've probably seen at least videos of stampedes that are just out of control. And he uses that word to say, don't be afraid. And fear kind of has that power over us often, right? I remember right as COVID was starting, I was talking to a friend and she said, or we were texting, but she said, you know, well, my cousin's best friend told her that his brother is in the National Guard and they're, they're planning on doing something. And I, and I was just like, you know, I don't think I trust anybody's cousin's best friends anymore. <laughs> I, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know that I was totally polite about it, but I, I glossed things over after that. But there's a way that fear just kind of stokes up, right? And it becomes like that stampede that St. Paul talks about, that it just kind of balls up. You know, you hear this thing, and it's like, oh, that's scary. And you turn to your spouse, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's scary. And you just stoke each other up. And St. Peter says, no. Have no fear. Do not be troubled. Honor Christ instead, for he is holy. And this is our reason for that hope that Christ is holy and good and sovereign over the world. Therefore, have no fear. Do not be troubled, but rather be zealous for doing good, no matter the consequence. <clears throat> but then he says, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for your reason for hope. 
Joy in suffering demonstrates something that the world is not used to. Joy in the midst of sorrow demonstrates not a callous joy, but a sincere contentment in Christ. Demonstrates something that the world cannot comprehend. And if the world sees it, they're going to ask, why? Why does this one have peace and joy in the midst of this? I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Corrie Ten Boom, but she and her family were one of those families that said, saw what was happening in Nazi Germany, and they took Jews in and hid them in their, 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 their house. And they were Christian, and they were caught. And everybody in her family ended up, she never saw them again after they were brought to concentration camps. But they made a video about this, and it's, it's one of those very quintessential, cheesy 80s Christian movies. But I actually really recommend it. It's called The Hiding Place, if you haven't seen it. Might be on Netflix. I'm not 100% sure. We, we got rid of Netflix a while ago. Um, but it is available out there. It's a little cheesy, but it's a very good movie nonetheless. But there's a scene in it where, where Corey has struggled through this whole thing of kind of finding that contentment in Christ. And then she starts to, and one of her, her fellow inmates is like, what, what, what gives, basically? And she goes on to talk about the depth and breadth of the love of Christ for her. And the rest of her life is defined by this, even though the deep sorrow that she also faces. And that's what we're called to, that, that love from Christ, to dwell contently in that love and peace of Christ, no matter what the world throws at us. It's a demonstration of the hope which we have with the grace of Christ. It's a demonstration of the hope which we are invited into and which changes our lives. But suffering also binds us. Suffering for good also binds us to Christ. And St. Peter goes on to make that sort of the crux of his argument. He goes on to say, For Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Christ is that righteous one that suffers for our sins. Christ in his righteousness, Christ in his perfection, died for our imperfection, died for our sins. And that's our hope, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, that Christ will come again. Now we get to this kind of peculiar phrase in here, and I want to talk about it for just a moment, and I'm going to give you a very unsatisfactory response to it, but that's okay. Um, we get to that point where he talks about in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. And the, the author of one of the commentaries that I've been using for this study says, well, you know, they almost definitely knew what he was talking about when he wrote it, but we have no idea what in the world he means. But I think what Luther said is even better. A wonderful text is this a more obscure passage perhaps than any other in the New Testament, so that I do not know for certain what St. Peter means. I'm with Luther on that one, and I haven't the foggiest idea what St. Peter is trying to say here. Except that it's one of those phrases also that we can get so lost in when we study it that we miss what Peter is trying to say. Peter is trying to point us back to Noah, Point us back to that awful time on earth 
where the earth became so full of wickedness that God almost just destroyed the whole thing. But instead, he instructed Noah to build the ark to rescue at least some people, to restore the earth to the goodness that the Lord had originally created it in. Now, why does Peter tie this whole argument in to what, Saint, to what happened so many years ago? He's tying it in because in the darkest days of Noah, there was hope. In the darkest days of Noah, he kept a remnant to save. So likewise, the little church in Asia, Minor, was preparing for persecution. In some sense, it seems like Peter perhaps had some sort of prophetic understanding that persecution was about to hit the church hard in Rome. And so he says, be prepared for this. It's coming. And it may seem like the days are dark, but you were baptized into the church. You were brought into the ark, just as the Lord baptized the earth with Noah. Just like the earth washed, just like the Lord washed clean the earth. But in baptism, you were brought into the church. You were made clean with a good conscience. You were tied into the resurrection of Christ. Some churches are a little more literal about how they should do baptism. We tend to just sprinkle, and there's lots of fun debates about that, which I don't need to weigh you down with. But the, the burial of baptism is actually really beautiful because it reminds us that we're tied to Christ in dying to ourselves. And then when we rise up out of the water, we're bound to Christ in his resurrection. And this is what St. Peter appeals to. You've been made new. You have been given a good conscience. You have been brought into the ark of the church. So yes, the world around you may rage. The world around you may be scary. You may turn on the news. You may open a 40-page newspaper and every single page is covered with bad news. And it may feel like you should fear. It may feel like you should feel trouble. But do not be afraid. Do not be troubled, but rather be zealous for doing good because you have a great hope in Christ. Christ, our hope, now reigns. And that's where St. Peter ends this section. He has gone into heaven. He is at the right hand of God. He is at the point of authority in heaven. And yet he hears our prayers. He sympathizes with us. He carries our prayers to God. And he has been given authority and power, and that is subjected to him. My friends, do not be afraid. Do not grow weary, but Christ is our hope in all things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.